0: Welcome to Crypto Talks, the podcast that features the early adopters of the blockchain and cryptocurrency world. It's me, Annie Alexander, and I will uncover the stories of the humans behind the crypto and introduce you to new and exciting blockchain projects. Are you ready for the journey down the rabbit hole? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Crypto Talks podcast. Um, today, uh, we're gonna have, uh, a conversation, unfortunately, without LinkedIn this time, but hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll make sure that we somehow upload it on LinkedIn, maybe in pieces. Um, so. Here is my guest. Uh, We've been connected on LinkedIn for quite a while. I've been watching his uh, walks in the woods and and, uh, loads of interesting thoughts and ideas around the blockchain that he's generously sharing with all of us on LinkedIn. So thank you for that. And welcome to the Crypto Talks podcast.
1: Well, thank you very much. I'm really happy to be here.
0: Yeah, it's, it's very nice to, um, you know, uh, I, I, I mentioned the walks, uh, in the woods and, and, and your videos because I, I feel like there aren't many people who are comfortable with uh, creating content without really worrying too much about um whether they impress people or not and and you know focusing on the content and on providing value uh and i feel like um yeah i mean that is something that we we all need more uh not only on linkedin but in general in social media so so thanks for for approaching it from that perspective
1: Oh, well, I mean, really, I think it just kind of evolved that way. I, I don't have the time to spend hours with video processing software. So I would just grab my phone and, and go for a walk. I think the, the, the captions take the longest, and that's about five minutes. So,
0: so, Yeah. Okay, so let's dive in. Let's start from the very beginning. Uh, I mean, blockchain is a relatively young... Uh, you know, sphere um, in in comparison with some others uh, in in tech. So, um, I, I uh, usually most of my guests have been doing something else before they moved into the blockchain, and everyone has different stories in terms of how they ended up in in the sphere and how they got interested in the blockchain technology. So, what was your story about that?
1: Um, well, I was uh, working for a satellite navigation company. We we writing, and in fact, I was managing the testing of uh, the software that receives the signals and processes them and works out where exactly you are on the planet. And so there were quite a few mathematicians in the company. And one of them came across Nakamoto's paper very early on and said, Kia, this, this looks like the kind of nonsense you'd be interested in. So I read <laughs> the paper and I went and looked at the code. I think it was, uh, about half a year into nakamoto launching it so it'd be like summer wow. um was it 2010 or 2009 i should know that really shouldn't i uh, anyway it was it'd been around for half a year and i looked at I the I think source this code. was
0: 11 years ago i, I yeah. think yeah
1: yeah and and i had a sort of a week or two poking around i thought well that's neat i wonder if it'll ever take off and then every time i came back to it sort of half a year later there were more people It was getting more interesting and I think it was finally in around 2013, I actually submitted uh, an invention idea to my employer saying there's this thing called Bitcoin and, uh, this technology blockchain. And I think it's going to be important. And here are some thoughts I've had on it. And of course they just sort of went, what, what on earth is this? Um, you know, it's nothing to do with satellite navigation. Um, and, uh, you know they didn't think any more of it but by that point i i started keeping notes and and thinking more and more about it and really it was end of 2015 that i went full-time into blockchain because they they shut down our office and i was out of a job so uh, turns out it was uh, one of the best things that ever happened to me because
0: I've been yeah it's it's interesting many people tell about that you know when they have this turning period when they are mm-hmm. let go or you know there is uh the the company closes or or you know something like mm-hmm. that happened many people don't realize that that might be the turning point and towards something way better so mm-hmm. um so it's it's interesting that uh you know what what you're saying makes me think like you know back then um, it was kind of a very niche audience that was able from the very beginning to get it and understand the depth of it and sort of believe that this would take off. I don't know. I mean, did you expect such developments back then? Or it was just something that intrigued
1: you? Well, I've I've got a blog post from 2013, where I ran some calculations based on the value of gold and the value of Visa and things like that. And I, um, I wrote there that it could be worth as much as $50,000 one day. And at the time it seemed like a crazy amount. Um, oh, yeah. to be. of course, of course, we've gone over that now. Um, and, uh, you know, but I didn't really have the confidence in my predictions. You know, if I, if only I'd actually gone out and Shunted some real money into it and uh, I'd be in a different place now, but yeah. I'm, I'm happy. Uh, yeah.
0: Many people tell that, but I have a feeling like those people who bought bitcoin back in the days with 10 cents, mm. 15 cents, up to a dollar, most probably they didn't hold it until now, anyway. No, you know, right. most of I them. Know. So, <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I know people like that who were really happy to um, you know, sell their 5,000 bitcoins and get half a million. Um, and of course there's so much luck on the way you could have put it all in mount cox you could have lost your uh, hard drive i mean there, there were heaps of things that could have gone wrong your your wallet dot dat could have been hacked before they actually secured it properly so really
0: absolutely it's it's a, yeah. it's a
1: total lottery um
0: and, yeah uh, and and then going back and thinking what would have happened etc it's just a yeah. waste of time because it already happened and it's interesting that you mentioned the Price. I mean, we, we we sort of you know segwayed into the price discussion, and it's mm-hmm. the natural sort of topic that many are touching these days. And probably you know because the price had all time high recently, that spiked a new sort mm-hmm. of wave of people coming into it, and and more attention of the media and all that stuff. Um, but I tend to believe that price is just part of the whole story and Mm. uh, there is much more to it than just the price or the speculations or making money element of it obviously it drives and attracts a certain type of people to it and you know money is a very big motivator but uh but i'm sure money is not why you are in the space specifically that's my feeling so no no
1: no, it's not what is it (laughs) um it's just one of the most fascinating things out there. If we move away from Bitcoin and prices and um, look at blockchain, I mean, it it contains mathematics and cryptography and uh, computer science, but it also taps into economics and philosophy and sociology and psychology. And it, uh, singularly amongst all the technical things that I've looked at, it it has tendrils that reach through um, the way we function as a society. And I'm a generalist. I love, you know, the worst thing that can happen to me is finding a good Wikipedia article because six or eight hours later, I've read 300 more and a Mm. whole bunch of papers and stuff. And um, I just get distracted by these things very easily. And, And the wonderful thing for me about blockchain is that I, you can pick almost any topic and I can find an angle where it gives me a bit more insight into blockchain because ultimately it's a social system. It's about how people are going to interact with each other. And it happens to be built on technology, but the, it goes a lot deeper than that. Anyway, that's oh, yeah. my thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I just feel like, uh, you know, uh, the money side of it is, is very exciting for many people, obviously. Mm. Uh, but uh, but I think it's there is so much more to it. And and the whole thing has such a big potential of changing uh, many lives. And it, and it actually already does. So, yeah. Mm. Um, So we have, like, these different types of people who are around the space doing different things, loads of projects uh, from Mm -hmm. different directions, different aspects, Um, many founders with completely different motivations and and kind of, you know, goals uh, um, out there. Um, And we have hot topics as well. Periodically, Mm -hmm. like, within this whole period, we had many different sub Cultures or, you know, sub uh, divisions of the technology specific channels, which kind of, you know, uh, where the rock stars or where the, the, you know, um, the things that were the epicenter of the whole thing. Like in during the 2017 boom, it was the ICOs and the new tokens and the new projects that they merged. And later on, um, there was a a bit of a gap and a vacuum and people were trying to find a better way to fundraise on blockchain. Mm -hmm. And it kind of, they made different tries. Nothing really, I think, picked up as much as the ICOs did, but then ICOs didn't work either after that mm-hmm. and then now it feels like you know the, the the rock stars of the space are the DeFi and the nfts which mm-hmm. is why i i felt like nfts would be an interesting discussion because everyone is talking about it but i have a feeling that not everyone understands what it actually is um mm-hmm. and um and the interesting thing about NFTs, and maybe, you know, I'm wrong, but my impression is that NFTs uh, took off and get more interest from non-techie people and non-crypto mm-hmm. people uh, than anything else out there related to the blockchain at the moment. And probably it's because it's related to art, it's related to music, to things that people already understand by default, or maybe it's because... Um, when you talk about different NFT projects, there are more exciting and interesting stories that you could tell, which are more inspiring and people resonate with it better than talking about the tech specifically. I don't mm. know. But um, how do you feel like, is this whole um, excitement justified or it's just another hype that is going to dry off?
1: Well, yeah. Um... I think you're right that it's um, the buzz is there at the moment because it offers uh, some kind of hope to artists and musicians who have historically, on the whole, not been treated very well in terms of remuneration. You know, we, yeah. we you have rock star um, artists and musicians and singers, but they are. There's a huge long tail of people who either are doing it for very little profit or just as a hobby, um, and
0: or for most, the record labels who who take most of it.
1: Yeah, well, this is the thing: the the when you look at how many cuts are taken along the way, and when you look at how many um, slots there are in the in the top of the charts in music, for example, um, you know most musicians are not going to unless you're a session, session musician. Um, most mm-hmm. of them are not going to make a living out of it. Um, but, you know, I, I was in a band uh, 20 years ago and we were just doing it for fun, but one of the fun things was sitting in the pub after a gig and talking about how maybe one day we'd get signed and make a fortune. Um, yeah. Actually, actually, even the wealthy rock stars don't make nearly as much as you think. Uh, when you see um, people like Mick Jagger or David Bowie who were very, very wealthy, um they actually made most of their money from investing the initial money they got from being rock stars, the the
0: wealth
1: multiplied. Oh, okay. And uh, so I I think when you're an artist and you're you're kind of living hand to mouth and then suddenly you read an article that somebody sold this crypto token thing uh, for so many millions, you start thinking, oh, hang on, maybe that's something I could do too. So mm-hmm. it, it kind of sucks people in, and I, I see friends of mine on Facebook who are artists. You know, they they they're interested in it because, um, partially, because they hope that it could get their art more recognized. But I think there is this element of, well, maybe I'll be the lucky one who actually sells mm-hmm. uh, something for seventy million dollars. Uh, you're more likely to win the lottery, to be honest. Um, and <laughs> yeah, there is a, you know, that It's like. When you look at the wealthy artists, if you look at a Damien Hirst uh, or a Salvador Dali or um, someone like that, they, they, it's it's like the rock stars again. Uh, you know, very few people get to occupy those slots, um, yeah. and they are often as really good salespeople as well, and they are really well connected. I mean, it, it's yeah, the the mega bucks in these industries are all about connections and the uh, community, and so. You know, if you happen to be very good friends with a multimillionaire who wants some art and you're an artist, then maybe you will make a fortune. Um, But most of us aren't. So uh, so there's that side of it. And historically, if you look at art, it's like that. There's there's always been thousands and thousands of artists. But when you look at the um, art history books, you see the same names over and over again. Um, It's just Uh, the way human beings work
0: yeah i mean in the nft space though uh i mean i don't know when when the artists started coming in uh Mm -hmm. like do you think it was like everyone was starting from from the same uh level because probably most of them were not familiar to uh, like what does it represent what does it mean how to do it everyone was learning
1: from Mm -hmm. the start
0: right so do you think all of them had equal chances or like how did that work how people became people or like you know some artists are doing way better than the others is it because their art resonates better and more people like it or is it the connections that you're talking about because i felt like the the whole philosophy behind blockchain and nft specifically is this (laughs) fact that it's open for everyone, and everyone gets the equal chances to participate mm. and, you know, to find their uh, fan base um, of what of their creations, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, is that part of the story, or you see it some, in some well, other I th- way? I think
1: that, that's the kind of hope that it raises. But if you pick Beeple, for example, we recently found out who bought his art, I mean, the facades people have been working in art and technology for um, over a decade, so it's not Mm -hmm. like he woke up um, in January and read an article on Wired about NFTs and taught himself how to deploy ERC-721 contracts or anything like that. It it wasn't overnight. And the other thing is the – I seem to remember reading a day ago or so that the person who bought his art is a – a, an entrepreneur from Tamil Nadu in India, who he knew, who has made a fortune in cryptocurrency. Mm, so,
0: okay,
1: it, the connection was already there. The person um, who bought the art is connected into the space already. Um, and so,
0: so this Christie's thing was just a PR and marketing.
1: I guess to it
0: probably. I mean, I don't
1: know. We we never know the full story of what goes on here. And then maybe the article I read is wrong. Maybe they made up the entire thing. I didn't dig into it uh, much further, but uh, it's worth looking at afterwards, find out who actually bought the artwork because it was kept hidden at first. Um, Mm, Yeah. And then, uh, you know, if you look at, for example, Jack Dorsey selling a tweet, well, you know, I've got some tweets, but nobody would ever want to buy one of mine. And incidentally we'll talk later about the fact that you can't buy Uh, yeah
0: let's talk about that uh, tweet thing actually because Mm -hmm. uh for for many people um when you are buying crypto art for example or you know Mm -hmm. a music nft uh you know it's it's in comparison with a tweet, it's more tangible and I can mm-hmm. understand the motivation behind it. You, you know, it's it's an art piece. Even if it's digital, you still like it. You would like to own it. There is like a collector's mm-hmm. element to it, right? Mm-hmm. Or the music or whatever it is. With the tweets, um, I'm a bit sort of, you know, what actually are you getting? You're getting basically on a blockchain the proof that you are the owner Of that tweet, and that tweet was originally the first tweet, really written made by Jack Dorsey, right? That's what you're getting eventually—a certificate Mm. proof of your ownership, or what are you getting? I mean, what happens if, let's say, the tweet is deleted, or the Twitter account is closed? Mm -hmm. You just get.
1: Yeah. Well. Well, actually, I mean, it raises questions. What is ownership here? I mean, there's, there's a smart contract on a blockchain, but that's just a piece of computer code. Um, and it looks nothing like a legal contract. Uh, so that there's your first thing. Um, we, mm-hmm. we've got fairly well defined laws in most countries about what owning something means. And, um, that's why, for example, it's very interesting that if you go and buy a, a work of art off an artist, um, you have bought the physical canvas, which you can hang on your wall. Typically, unless they're an artist for hire that, you know, you specifically commission them as an employee, if if they're a freelance artist, you don't actually own the copyright on that painting that you have. So you have a painting on your wall of, I don't know, a melting clock or, a, um, you know, some splodges or something like that uh, or a can of soup. You don't own the copyright. So you can't go and make T-shirts and mugs with that picture on them, even though you have the physical first version mm-hmm. of it on your wall all mm-hmm. you have is that the the canvas um, so there's that side of things but at least you have the canvas now with an nft uh, what you have is an entry on a blockchain that says that uh, that basically contains a link to a website that contains the music track or the picture that anybody can go to so you don't gain any extra rights when it comes to the JPEG on uh, someone's server or the Twitter tweet on Twitter's website. You, you've bought, what you bought is a link to that. So I use an example that it's, um, that the, the NFT is like a finger pointing at the moon. And a finger, <laughs> okay. is, is, a, a finger is not the moon. You know, when you are buying the NFT, you are buying the finger. Um, okay. And, this is, one of and the, this is one of the problems that we've had with, I've, I've seen with these articles is that um, people think they're buying the moon, they're buying Jack Dorsey's Twitter or they're yeah. buying this. this. Um, they're, they're getting nothing other than a token on the blockchain.
0: So, and yes, so that, do that you mean? You own. Okay, yeah, but mm-hmm. then the The value of the token of the blockchain that proves that you're the the owner of the tweet, let's say if Jack Dorsey deletes that tweet, it will be a link taking them to 404 or like in that case?
1: uh, Well, I haven't investigated the particular token um, and there are They've, they've evolved a bit now so that they're using the interplanetary file system to try and get a bit more persistence. You see, this is the other thing about them is, you know, when you are owning a digital item, you, you're concerned about persistence. Um So you'd like to really have a copy yourself. Um, mm-hmm. You can't change the uh, the NFT token on the blockchain once it's been minted, other than changing its ownership. The actual, the rest of it is fixed. So if it has a link to www.twitter.com slash jdorsey slash and then the idea of the tweet indeed if they delete that tweet that token is now pointing at nothing it's now finger pointing at an empty sky the moon's moved on um if what you can do is you can have the link point to a file on the internet uh, planetary file system um, mm. and that yeah. file can then contain the link to the tweet um except even there there's a problem because if you change the content of that file you change its name and then the nft no longer points to it either so um
0: got it so, uh, so, so so what yeah. do you think like this whole i mean i understand this whole story of artists mm-hmm. getting a direct relationship at link to its mm-hmm. consumers with you know bypassing gatekeepers its mm-hmm. art uh you know critics or galleries should not be the ones who decide whether it's good or bad and how much it's worth here you have directly like you know if if people are willing to pay millions for it then for some people it's worth millions full stop doesn't really matter if it's ugly beautiful who thinks what art is art right so i understand mm-hmm. that story of uh you know no intermediaries uh artists direct uh platform for uh for getting and reaching out to people just like kindle amazon publishing Mm -hmm. did that for for self-published authors right you don't need agents you don't need publishing Mm house i write the book if people like it they will buy it if no no but i have this opportunity for this direct relationship so Mm -hmm. that story for me is is clear and it's very appealing Mm -hmm. um I also feel like there is lots of positive changes in 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 the sense that. Uh, with this format, many artists get exposure who otherwise wouldn't get because mm-hmm. many galleries and, and you know, agents are looking for, a, so to speak, like commercial art or sellable art or a specific mm-hmm. kind of, you know, criteria and certain things that don't match that, um, whatever expectations are, they will never be actually exposed and people will not even know about the artist. Here, you get diversity, different. Styles you you get exposed to more interesting probably you know art pieces etc. So I understand that too. What is a question for me is like um, these price levels and you know mm-hmm. uh, the the millions that get higher and higher. Is this mm-hmm. based on speculation and the expectations that it will be sold for higher later on, or is it actually based on true belief that uh, that's how much it's worth? Like, what is like? I, I'm trying to understand buyer's perspective in this sense because mm. if it's a regular art pieces or mems or gifts or music, and it's like I don't know up to a certain amount price level, people love it. People want to support the artist, all that, I get it. But when it gets to 10 million, 20 million, 30 million, et cetera, uh, what are the buyers thinking? Like, what would motivate them to pay such high prices? Because I think that's where the problem comes from, that just the scale and the level of uh, the whole hype and and the price levels, I mm-hmm. guess. I don't know.
1: Well, I mean, for starters, it's not like there are a hundred thousand pieces of art out there that have now have an NFT pointing to them that have sold for six, seven, eight figure sums. I mean, we're talking about a few, um, reported upon cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they have now joined art history when Duchamp put a urinal in a museum and said, this is art and signed it "Art," it Um, it, seemed ludicrous at the time, it's now an iconic piece of art history. Uh, when um, Damon Hurst uh, put a shark in a tank, uh, it and mm-hmm. in fact I think Hurst, most of his art is actually made by assistants. He comes up with the idea and gets someone else to execute it. Um, oh, but his, yeah. stuff has, his stuff has become art history. Uh, but the problem with history is that we tend to focus on the famous people you know there's not really mm-hmm. space if you're reading the history of humanity you can't really get your head yeah. around uh, 10 billion people who existed or ha- or exist there's just too many so you focus on world leaders and influential speakers and uh you know maybe if you're lucky significant inventors things like that you don't sort of focus on the, the average and and mm-hmm the the laws of statistics say that we're all pretty average you know there's, there's not much space at the top so uh, when it comes to these art pieces why they have these big prices i, I guess it depends on the individual buyer um, i'm sure there's a lot of speculation going on and i think that um people's tweet uh, not tweet people's uh, nft even if it ultimately ends up pointing at nothing is going to be something on the blockchain that Will actually continue to have value because it's become a a part of history. It, it, it's mm-hmm. it's um, I think it's sort of it's another cha- it's another page in the current chapter in the history of art. Um, and yeah. people always say, well, why why is it that Jackson Pollock splattering paint on a canvas is suddenly worth so much and gets hung in a museum in uh, Washington? Um, it, yeah, if you look at it logically and rationally, it has no real utility. Um, yeah, it doesn't make sense. If you look at it with the soul, then it's part of sort of the human story of development. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I personally find art history fascinating. Um, uh, yeah. I, pers- I wouldn't spend a fortune buying some of these works, though, um, even if I had that kind of money. Um, but some people... Have that money and get satisfaction about possessing part of history, and mm-hmm. uh, indeed, a lot of them buy it as an investment. If you've got more money than you know what to do with, um, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a good hobby. Uh, and we 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 see that with wealthy people. You know, they they used to buy yachts in the eighties. Now yeah. now the wealthy people build spaceships. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, they, they obviously have more money and they know what to do with. They spend it on that uh, on, on these kind of things. And some people try to go to Mars, and some people. Uh, want a very expensive painting on the wall and, and some people want to hold the private key that allows them one day maybe to transfer on a non-fungible token to someone else it's uh, human beings yeah. are
0: so and if, i mean at the moment when when we talk about nfts we talk a lot about mainly about crypto art a little bit about mm-hmm. music uh, mm-hmm. and and that's kind of the main things that people focus on but Mm -hmm. nfts is is you know at the end of the day it's a technology and it definitely has more applications and it's gonna have more applications in the world rather than just the, the art side of it so what do you think like the other applications who haven't become popular yet are gonna be in the future
1: um, well, I, I think I I as I said, this is the current thing is just hype. I think in the near mm-hmm. future we're gonna see NFTs and games and NFTs and genuine collectibles with a mm-hmm. real link somehow between them. Um so I think that's the short-term one. And, and games is an easy one because you can have a game and it can go and check on a blockchain that there's an NFT, uh, and then it you sign into the game using, you know, maybe even MetaMask. Uh, your uh, pr- your private key. Any way you sign uh, something yeah. that says this account belongs to this key, and the game can check that you own it. And then later you transfer on your uh, NFT. Now something that you had in the game is gone. So that, that's and it's kind in of line game. with
0: the psychology of the gamers because they already use mm-hmm. the schemes and you know all, 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 all like similar elements already, mm. uh, not on yeah. blockchain, but you know it's within their style of uh, you know activities, yeah. yeah?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, my my kids play Pokemon Go and they collect Pokemon Go characters in their phones the way that kids 10 years ago collected the cards. So they're not, they don't care whether it doesn't need to be a little cardboard uh, pasteboard anymore, as far as they're concerned. Having it on their phone is just as good. Um, And there are these games where there's a lot of trading that they seem to be involved in. I should really check up more closely exactly what they're doing to be honest um but uh, they talk a lot about how they're buying items and selling items in game and uh, yeah. i think with uh with these items existing on a blockchain you can actually start trading them between games possibly um you can start trading them without having to rely on the game company and they will exist after the game goes under and that means yeah. that somebody can come along later and say well you know, there was this item in Fortnite. Fortnite doesn't exist anymore. It's joined, um, you know, Elite and Space Invaders, but now we have this new game. And, you know, for a bit of a historical blast, we'll allow those items to transfer into our game. Um, and yeah. maybe get a whole bunch of uh, players who used to play that old game joining the new game. So it's, it's got marketing potential, but this again, it's, yeah. this is from a game, gaming is, uh, I mean, I was stunned to find out that. Uh, you know games make 10 times what movies do that make 10 times what music does and yeah. they make 10 mm-hmm. times what books do um and uh of course being the idiot that i am i, I go and write a book i don't go and write a game
0: yeah. um <laughs> <I put one laughs> at the very
1: bottom of the food chain. um but uh yeah it, it's so that there's a lot of money floating around there and it's just going to increase um but that that's the short term longer term i can see more industrial uses for them uh, you've uh you've got something that has clearly defined ownership um, that is a unique entity, you can start tying it to other property. And there are some problems to overcome with that. Again, making, having a digital twin of a real world asset, there's that, that's kind of already being done in IOT in terms of mm-hmm. modeling to, you know, decide on moving, um, you know, in engineering, for example, building design, stuff like that. Um what is missing from those things is the actual ownership of the real items that are being created or um, being transferred. And so having a digital version of your uh, real-life asset, um, you now with blockchain, you have the possibility of not just modeling what it looks like or how it reacts in a physical environment. You can actually model the ownership of it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and that then means that you can actually start effectively modeling economics uh, as not just physics so um i think there's something there and uh, i did have a few other ones but they've slipped my mind now um oh yeah when when they do actually finally start tying say music and nfts together properly um you have well you could draw up a contract that says that this nft represents this song and then you have collective management organizations, the royalty collecting societies that pay out this money. Um, And I I worked with the Finnish one for a while. Um, There's a lot of these different societies, a lot of different processes. There's a lot of paperwork It can take. um, It's getting better, but it can take years for you to get your royalties. Um, Yes. With an Mm -hmm. NFT, you can automate the ownership of the song, who gets what royalties, and you can effectively have it that uh, if... um, a payment is made to the nft it automatically distributes it to the multiple owners yeah. of that nft in the right proportion according to their uh, royalty ownerships and you can actually sell on your royalties you say right i i own mm-hmm. a song i own the royalties to it i'll sell on you know it's a christmas hit it's going to be making money for the next 50 years i'd like but i need yeah. money now um i'll sell that on and you, can yeah do that I, without I needing a lawyer so
0: I think the other problem with uh, royalties and and music specifically, and I don't know if NFTs will be able to solve this uh, from the technical perspective is, uh, um, you know, tracking uh, how much was consumed, actually all these streaming services, all this uh, actually understanding how much uh, the royalties are and how much the artists should get, because I, I have a feeling that loads of it is being lost in between and there are many you know usages of music that are not compensating the author uh, the yeah the the yeah. artist or the author of that music so tracking it correctly and just you know calculating that the lost uh, volume mm-hmm. as well somehow i don't know if it's possible uh, with nfts or not but that's another issue that they are having in terms yeah. of uh, yeah
1: Well, I think the problem there is that a blockchain is kind of a hermetic system. It's like a closed world in and of itself. And you can get information into it through oracles. You can force information onto it. But what you can't do is guarantee that the information you put there is genuine. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, there's there's lots of interesting work going on with oracles to um, try and incentivize the people who contribute the information onto the blockchain. So it's there on the ledger. Um, and then could be acted on to do the payments, like you you say, um, to be honest. But um, they don't really work in a kind of, well, those kind of oracles work in a public way where everyone's scrutinizing when yeah. 10 different parties report what the current Bitcoin to dollar price is. Um, you know, you, you you put the honest amount in because you get a reward for it. And if you put the wrong amount in, uh, there's nine other people who put the right one in and you get Maybe there's a penalty, you know, some fun slashing mm-hmm. or something happens. Um, if you're looking at uh, musicians' accounts, they're probably not going to want them just displayed out for everybody in the world to see. Um,
0: so, yeah, uh, try that. And, yeah,
1: and someone still has to put in the information that you know. Well, this is how you know this.
0: Yeah, it's it's a complex. If yeah. this
1: country played this song this many times on their national radio, and therefore they owe this much, and Um, it it still needs these uh, organizations to collect on behalf of the artist Mm -hmm. unless you're very very wealthy again Um, people like Madonna and Bruce Springsteen don't use uh, CMOs they they do handle it all themselves Um, it doesn't make sense for somebody you know I I, I have five songs on YouTube and I think I've made a a grandiose 30 cents or something in it's not <laughs> that they'll pay me for them um, I, I'm not going to go and do all the admin um, in order to make sure that I get my payments when someone plays one of my songs or 12 seconds of it in Brazil or you know, <laughs> Singapore yeah.
0: Let's, let's try to understand from the technical perspective. We kind of explained what it is in terms of mm-hmm. that it's not the moon. It's, it's just the finger that points mm-hmm. to the moon and stuff like that. I have a feeling that, you know, at the moment, um, people know how to mint nfts and know mm-hmm. a certain popular types of nfts like crypto art music etc and mm-hmm. and that's what they follow and everyone else kind of you know tries to to create something that is within that group right mm-hmm. but from the technical perspective if we understand what it could be potentially because i mean i guess it can be like it can be a multi-format something right it can be a sound it can be video it can be picture it can i mean the the file format can be different it doesn't really need to be specifically one thing right so do Mm -hmm. you think i mean I'm just trying to understand, like, if we understand better what are the possibilities of what type Mm of NFTs to create, maybe we will have more people coming up with more creative and new types of NFTs than the ones that we have at the moment.
1: Well, an NFT just points to a, like, a web page, right? Right. I mean, it's it's, at the moment what they do is they have this field called the URI, which is a Universal Resource Identifier, which is similar to a web address. Just says on the internet you can find this data at this location. That's all the NFT. So, so theoretically,
0: anything on a website that you could showcase in any form on a website could become an NFT. So we can theoretically talk about TV series, about, I mean, like anything. Hold on, let
1: me me go to your website. So uh, uh, Alexander. (laughs) Is it com? Right. Yes. Okay. So I'm here at your page and you have, I've tapped the wrong one. I've gone to a jewelry store you've got someone who's got a very similar name to you. Anyway, oh, yeah, I yeah,
0: and it's quite a popular one, actually. All oh, right,
1: okay. Well, anyway, let's take their site then. So, uh, you know, they've got some images on there. They've got some text. I, I mean, I could put that web address in the NFT. So you make an NFT, just put your um, your web address. Or I can look on the page uh, by clicking inspect and see that, oh, there's a there's an image there. So I'll take that URL, um, ale- alexander.com slash images slash background.jpeg. Oh, okay, and the thing is, I can go to anybody's website. I can go to a Wikipedia art. Um, I can mint an NFT in five minutes that points to any web address or any artifact on a web page, or any sound file that someone's got that plays as background music to their web page. Because it's all there, available. Um, you know, if you can type it in a browser and see it or hear it, you can put that link in the NFT. Um, and I'm not even so, the owner. Of so
0: even stuff. if you don't have the rights of what is on that website, you can still mint and sell the NFT that points to that website, well, to that course. thing on the website. You mean? Yeah.
1: Yes. I mean, I, I can make an NFT that um, points to bbc.com, and okay. there's nobody that, who can stop me doing that. Now, the fact is, I'm not the director general of the BBC, so presumably no one is going to buy the NFT off me because. You know, but this is what I'm saying about you're buying the finger. You're not buying the moon and all this stuff on the okay. web is freely available for anybody to look at. And in fact, it makes no sense to make an NFT that points to something that nobody can go and see because that means even the owner can't see it. If you own that token, um, and yeah. the URL is there in the token. It's a public open blockchain. Anybody can browse through the blockchain, find all the ERC 71 contracts, find out the files they're pointing to. So it's not hidden. It's not even like only you can see your art. Um, anyone can. So this is why I say what are you really buying is a, a token on a blockchain that has possibly been touched by the person who mm-hmm. is selling it to you or who has created it. So I don't know. Did Jack Dorsey sign the tweet NFT with his own private key? If he did, um, maybe. Then maybe, maybe from a historical point of view it's worth something um did people use his private key to sign his nft um but it's really your you know if i wrote a web address on a piece of paper and said here you go um i own this piece of paper it's my token and it points to a piece of art that i made on my website and i'm now going to sell you this piece of paper for a million dollars would you buy it and the answer in most cases is probably not um
0: but, okay, got it. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's that's the interesting point. I think uh what lacks, and you are right, that you know, all this uh media coverage and all these conversations that people are having about mm-hmm. NFTs, um mm-hmm. they they don't really uh yeah, they don't sh- showcase or or they make it sound way nicer and more romantic mm-hmm. in terms of yeah, what you're getting is. as an NFT, Mm. right? So, uh, because the way you explain it, it's kind of, you know, that that whole nice packaging is gone. It's like, you know, you can Mm. see the skeleton and it's not so attractive while, you know, the whole idea of, Okay, you know I'm a collector, and because people use this argument of collector, right? I'm mm-hmm. a collector. I'm collecting unique pieces of crypto art, right? Mm. But if that's yeah. not the case, so like even this term collector is already a bit like yeah, collector of what? Collector of, collector uh, of
1: tokens. Directions
0: that's, that's toward yeah tokens that yeah. direct you to something, um, mm-hmm. which yeah. is not. Sh- as sexy as collector of uh, a unique uh,
1: fruit of art yeah. expensive exactly, art yeah. right <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean it, it boils down i said at the beginning the what you've got to ask yourself the question what is ownership and the funny thing is we all feel like we know what it means to own something i mean my mm. my three-year-old twins will fight over a block of plasticine and say mine because each of them believes they own it um but and it's only when you start digging into it, and you can dig into it from a legal perspective. Um, you know, you can dig into it from a, where you're looking at contracts. You know, I have a deed to a property, or I have a contract that says that I own a piece of land, or that I uh, I have a copyright. There's the legal side. Then you have the political side, which is you know, the state parcels out the land. The, the state controls um, what you can and cannot own, um, and then you can look at it from the kind of practical point of view which is that if i own something i have sovereign control over it um Mm -hmm. i own my car i have the keys i can drive it and you can't and that's why i own i own it if you now carjack it and drive off with it i no longer own it because i no longer have control over it and the thief has illegitimately under our laws taken ownership of it because they've now got control of it so then when you look at an nft you've got to say what do i have control over you don't have control over the art piece You don't have control over whether it's going to persist. Um, The only thing you have control over is that token, in the same way that you have control over a a Satoshi that you own on the Bitcoin. So so
0: it's a lot of, I I think, it's a big role uh, that plays the perception of people, mm. like what they perceive the value of that thing is, right? Because like yes. Dogecoin is a meme coin, and it still has mm-hmm. some certain value in people's mind, right? And certain yes. people buy it and they want to hold it. So I feel like that when 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 you're explaining these things, like I'm sure there are lots of NFTs that have the same effect of the Dogecoin. Because, well, you know, well, poss-
1: possibly, right? But the thing is that when Dogecoin came out, it, it was obvious that it was a joke. You know, the the guys who yeah. made it made it very clear that it's a joke, and it's become such a successful joke that it's now, I don't know what its market cap is, but I, I imagine it's like uh, a lot, yeah. You know,
0: not, Especially yeah, after it's Ellen, just... Elon Musk, it, it grew a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: right. But, yeah. but the thing is, from the very start, people knew this is a joke. Um, yeah. And therefore, if you decided to invest in Dogecoin, you you went into it knowing that you were investing in a joke, hoping that the joke was going to kind of explode. Yeah. Um, The problem I see with NFTs is I think a lot of people who are thinking of spending money on them or putting time into generating them don't understand what it is that they are actually buying or what they are actually selling. Um, and that's yeah. the difference. And they when I read I, I article after article, they talk about it in terms of, that are misleading, that make people think that you are buying oh, yeah. this unique piece of crypto art. And you're not. You're buying a single token. And at best, you're buying a token that has been digitally signed by someone who you hold in high regard or who you look up to or who you think is of some kind of significance. Um,
0: yeah. Although some, some artists also send you the physical version of yeah. that art so in those cases it's, it's yeah point it becomes sense, a nice
1: it becomes a nice to have like uh buy the physical copy of the book and i'll give you the ebook for free kind of thing yeah you know yeah um and in that sense yes it, it, if the, if there's a personal touch to it where the artist has actually done that and they were involved in it and and you get it transferred to you <clears throat> you know then that that can be fun uh whether it's 70 million dollars worth of fun is of course another question
0: yeah i mean i i guess it's uh yeah it's it, it's an interesting space to watch in any case i mean again yes it's it's uh arguable uh um whether it's you know how much it's which NFT is worth and you know why would people pay so much money but uh obviously i feel like the space is very new and and it will be transformed in some into something else and this mm-hmm. whole um, you know Hype is good in a sense that it's it's attracting loads of new people towards the blockchain, and for many, uh, maybe NFTs will be the entry point. But you know, they 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 will have uh, curiosity to learn more, and then it will lead them to something else, and they will you know stick around in the space and and get engaged into other activities as well, and not just NFTs. So I think it's still very positive. The whole hype will bring in people, and. Yeah. Also, I have a feeling that um, this whole experimentation by many different creative people may lead to transitioning it into something else, or you know, coming up with uh, with different new ideas, or you know, developing this space further into mm. turning it to something. I don't know something different or or something new, so it's it's interesting to watch. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but uh, the the thing that I really like about the whole aspect of it is uh, not so much the prices and the token, etc., but just the fact that uh, you know until now we had a very tech focused technological not so creative stories around blockchain. Now mm-hmm. it feels like we're getting a more fresh perspective and maybe like, you know, a different crowd that may, you know, eventually uh, play uh, a bit of role of uh, spicing up the space, you know, more creative ideas around the space. And uh, who knows, maybe, you know, things will get even more exciting than they are now.
1: Yeah, no, we can hope so. Although I do think that, and it's another thing that always attracted me to blockchain, um, it is full of fantastic stories, right? I mean, the, the anonymous mm. founder of Bitcoin, um, who is he or she or they, um, the pizza's getting bought for 10,000 <laughs> yeah. Bitcoins, you know, and we could just every year look at how much, you know, how much was paid for those pizzas, really. Um, the craziness with the ICO days. Um, I mean, there's just all sorts of odd and amusing and unusual stories. And I think this is just yet another one. It is just that's that's what blockchain is is like it. um, It does attract certain unusual people. Um, Certainly, I, I can't think off the top of my head of any stories that match that kind of level to do with AI, for example. Yeah. Like that, or databases. Um although actually Larry Ellison's quite an interesting chap and he was a database guy. So maybe maybe it's not entirely true. But it's got a wonderful yeah. mythology to it anyway, Bitcoin, I think and blockchain. And I think yeah, you know, we're gonna it's gonna be fun to look back in twenty or thirty years' time and oh, remember, absolutely, oh, God, remember when that happened. And, uh,
0: absolutely I'm, I'm sure that loads of things like you know we keep kind of you know thinking and talking about stuff and and then thinking mm. that oh my god it's almost impossible that there's no way it will happen and then you know three years mm. for down the road five years down the road it actually happens and then you yeah. think about something else that is almost impossible and then that happens again so mm. uh, i mean this year has been uh interesting in 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 different aspects like uh Things happened that we we never thought about, and and, and then mm. after a while we got used to it. Like, oh, Bitcoin now people complain that Bitcoin is fifty thousand, while before like a year ago no one was actually certain that it would get to that point, right? Yeah. So it, it's it's just uh, we we get used to this. You know uh, developments and to these amazing things that we never even thought would happen, and then we start complaining about some stuff that is, you know, uh, one step backwards or whatever. So it's going to be interesting. But mm-hmm. I guess as a wrap up of our conversation, probably <laughs> we should um, we should upload our interview somewhere and just means the NFT of it. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> someone <else> just it.
1: <laughs> uh, well, it's just. I mean, I can do it. Uh, I'd rather put it on the test network, to be honest, because it doesn't cost anything. Mm. <laughs> That's the problem with these <laughs> things. It's like, you know, I um last article I wrote about it, I minted a few NFT. In fact, I minted the prime numbers. That's what I did. I, I decided I was going to sell the prime numbers, you know, two, three, five, seven, um, because nobody else owns them. Um because <laughs> then nfts surely they're mine um but then when i looked at how much it was going to cost me to actually deploy the contract onto ethereum and um
0: yeah the uh, gas keys I, are yeah
1: yeah and i'd already spent my uh uh my april fool's budget on uh, filing a time uh, machine patent so I, I didn't have the budget spare for any more <laughs> jokes
0: so. got it Okay well i mean thank you very much for for the time it was interesting i i, I discovered lots of things about nfts uh, so um uh, you you spoiled a little bit of the initial excitement around yeah. them to be fair uh, <laughs> but but it's okay <laughs>
1: it's if fine it needs doing it's better to find out sooner rather than later don't you think yeah
0: yeah, yeah, yeah i totally agree i, I mean before,
1: uh, before you now go and at spend, least... uh you more your house to buy one at least now no, you're, no, no. You're, you're absolutely
0: done. and then you know at least now i'm i'm way more knowledgeable about them than i was mm. before we spoke so that's that's a, mm. always a big plus so so yeah thanks everyone who was watching thank you for your time and um and yeah we'll see you in the next episode take care This was the Crypto Talks podcast brought to you by Annie Alexander. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you for listening and we'll meet you in the next episode.